Thank you, God. Oh, what a great, great morning. Hallelujah. Great morning. You know, um, so much Christian preaching and teaching, uh, we preachers can slip into a thing of, this is what you guys ought to be doing. And, you know, I think that God is interested in that part for sure, but an even greater interest in God is is to a revelation of him and his personality and his character. I feel like he wants to reveal his faithfulness to us today in a way that is fresh and, and uh, new levels of revelation for us from his word. Uh, he's a great God. I love uh, what John Wimber, uh, one of the quotes, so quotables, that I'm tired of hearing about the great man of God. I want to see the great God of man. And this morning we're talking about the faithfulness of God. And that's one of the attributes of God that is continually rocks my world. And I know yours as well. He's so, so faithful. I, don't you love that hymn? Many of you know that hymn, uh, Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. There's no shadow of turning with thee. All I have needed, thy hand has provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Summer and winter and springtime and harvest, blessings all mine and 10,000 besides, join with all nature in manifold witness to thy great faithfulness, mercy and love. And a pardon for sin and a peace that endureth. Then it's the phrase, thine own dear thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide strengthen today strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow blessings all mine and 10,000 besides you know um each one of those phrases express from the heart of the writer faithfulness of god and you know king david in psalm 20 psalm 37 verse 1 through um, well, the whole, the whole psalm, but we're going to just focus, the, have time for just the first few verses, talks about the faithfulness of God. And, and uh, he gives some personal ad- advice on how to, how to focus it, how to feed on the faithfulness of God. And the emphasis isn't, this isn't on the word feed. The emphasis is on faithfulness, but we do want to feed, right? On his faithfulness. Here, here's Psalm 37, 1 to 3. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Feed on his faithfulness. I love uh, how that, that motif is echoed in 1 Thessalonians 1.24. He who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. And then again in Revelation 19, verse 11, John the Apostle says, Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. His name is Faithful and True. When he comes back, riding on that white horse, 
I had a first grader tell me once, Mr. Mickelson, I know there's animals in heaven. I said, how do you know? Because Jesus comes back on a horse. Revelation from a first grader. When Jesus comes back on that white horse, the thing that will grip your mind and heart, that will obsess your very being, that will rock you like you've never been rocked before, is exuding from his presence, is the reality that this is the one who is faithful and true to every promise in the book. And every promise as a covenant child of God that you have been blood-bought into will be fully realized in that moment. And in that moment, we, we sort of get used to living in an evil world and it seems normal to us, but it will seem clearly as never before not normal when it doesn't exist anymore. When all that you know and all that you experience is good and all that, the, all that you were blood-bought into in terms of the glory of God will be revealed to you forever and ever. And each day that goes by into eternity will be, a greater, will be an increasingly greater revelation of his infinite mercy and faithfulness and love and care. Not just for everybody generally, but for you. You personally. Hallelujah. In this passage, we see three things that can prepare our hearts to feed on the unrelenting faithfulness of God. The unrelenting faithfulness of God. One is refuse to fret. Refuse to fret. Do you know that if we are in the habit of fretting and worrying and responding in anger towards evil in our world uh, and situations, circumstances that are unexpected and unwelcome, that it's impossible, it's impossible to experience fully and enjoy the faithfulness of God if we are diverting our energy to fret and to worry. And that's why King David, in this passage that he wrote, scholars tell us in later years in his life, that he calls on his people, the covenant people of God in his day, Three times in this passage, do not fret. Do not fret. It gets in the way. Fret in the Hebrew means to be angry at life, to burn, to be displeased, or to worry. We see this echoed in Paul's in Philippians where he says, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and petition, let your requests be made known to God. In other words, declare yourself in no anxiety or worry zone, but instead, have your eyes look to his faithfulness, to the one who is faithful and true. You're going to experience it later fully. The invitation is to taste, to live in the presence of the future and taste of his faithfulness fully now. It is our covenant blood-bought right as his covenant children. King David perhaps is looking back at, at fretful situations at different times in his life, perhaps in his youth. 
I would think I would be tempted to be a bit fretful being if I was a shepherd and I was my sheep were suddenly attacked by a bear or a lion, wouldn't you? I'd pull out my 44 Magnum and pop him. <laughs> All he had was a slingshot. I don't know how he killed the bear or, or the lion, but I do know that he depended upon the faithfulness of God to help him, and he didn't fret. He didn't fret and run. He engaged. He engaged the, the warrior Goliath, didn't he? When you read those words in 1 Samuel, do you see any hint of fretfulness and anxiety in David's tone? Do you see him focusing even on himself being a great warrior? Do you? No, you see him declaring that the God of Israel will bring a victory this day because the God of Israel is faithful and true. Focus is on the faithfulness of God in his youth. And as a son-in-law, married to a neurotic, psychotic um, wife, no, <laughs> he was married to, uh, his wife's dad, Saul, was neurotic and psychotic and a murderer, chasing him around. Remember the time that Dave was, David was in the cave with his men and King Saul went in to use the restroom in the cave and David had a chance to kill him, get rid of his enemy. In fact, he was advised to do that by his, his cohorts. And he said, no, and, you know, I'm not going to touch the Lord's anointed. I'm going to trust God with my future. Wow, don't you admire, don't you admire his trust in the faithfulness of God? What God has said, I have anointed you king of Israel, David. It's going to happen. David trusted the faithfulness of God and God's promise to him. And he did not yield to fret, to anxiety, to worry. As a king, dealing with Philistines all the time and dealing with, a, with the, uh, his own son, Absalom, being a, uh, trying to do a military coup. Potential stress points, but all the way through David's uh, journey, you see, him, you see him focusing. Now, I know there's a Bathsheba incident. And there is, you know, that is something that is a blight on his testimony, yes, but, but which just basically shows the, the humanity of the man. I don't know how you'd feel sitting next to him, someone you know had murdered someone in church today. I mean, not in church today, but murdered someone <laughs> sitting next to you in church today. You might not want to have wanted to sit next to David in church knowing that he'd done that, you know. But what we're talking about, he's, he's, he's a human being. He had faults. God forgave him. God moved, moved beyond it. But the faithfulness of God was, was dominating his, his thinking. And, and, and as, he, as he looked back on his life, in Psalm 37, he's focusing the faithfulness of God over and over again. So, you know the serenity prayer? 12-step program uses it. It's actually written by a pastor, uh, Reinhold Niebuhr, famous theologian and pastor in the early part of the 1900s in America. Here it is. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. You know, 
The invitation in that prayer and from this psalm is to, is to know that there are some things that we can do to proactively change our circumstances and the circumstances of the world. And we should give ourselves to, under the leading and empowering and guidance of the Holy Spirit, try to be change, world changers, amen? amen. Really do, uh, by how God leads each of us in our unique, customized way. He has a strategy wherever we are in, in our personal life journeys where to, to be world changers and to do what we can to advance the kingdom. It's, it's the things that, that we can't change, the things that are of a concern to us, but that we, 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 we can't change, that we need to know the difference between what we can change and what we can't change, and focus on the things we actually can change, keep in prayer the stuff we can't change, but you know that there is, um, in our world today, a lot of frustration and anger and upsetness expressed against evil people that we can't change them, we maybe have witnessed, we may have, have prayer, but there's just a lot of energy release that God wants us to put that energy not on just being stirred up and mad, but rather in trusting his faithfulness, not uh, withdrawing from engagement, but to recognize that our focus for, this, for, the, for the area of concern has to do with prayer. And here's, here's how Stephen Covey um, expressed it in a cl- his classic books, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, he expressed it this way, with a circle of influence and a circle of concern, that if you focus the circle of, of things you can actually change and put your energy into those things, then your circle of influence is going to grow. But if your circle of, if your focus of, of your energy is on things you can't change, that is the field of concern in your life that you, the concerns that you have that you can't change, then that part is going to grow and your actual influence is going to shrink. And I know from years and years of pastoring that there are, there, there are evil people closer to a typical Christian's life than we want to even face sometimes. I mean, some of us, some Christians I've noticed have had evil people in their families. Neighborhoods. State governments. National governments. Don't, uh, don't fret about them. Do what you can to change the situation under the leading and guiding of the Spirit, but don't put your energy into fretting about them. God's got this. In every single one of those arenas, God has got this. Do what you can. Know the difference between what you can do and what you can't do. Do what you can with all your heart under the blessing and anointing of the Spirit. Focus and trust His faithfulness. And He's even faithful to get out of the, out of the difficulties and stress points of your life 
the disappointments of your life an amazing, amazing future for you. I was struck by, by Larry Dixon's testimony at the breakfast this morning where he said that he really wanted and worked hard to be a um, middle school math teacher. But then there was too many math teachers when he graduated and he couldn't get a job. And, and so he went into accounting. And as a result, he ended up being accounting for a mission organization that sent him to Yemen, which opened up a whole area of, of ministry in his, in his, in he and Pamela's recent years that has really clicked in their hearts as this is what we were born for. And God used the fact that he was disappointed in his, in his, his, uh, training to be a math teacher and how God used that. And I wonder what disappointment you might be facing in your life right now. What giant is, is looming or bear or lion or other family member difficulty, whatever it might be. I want to assure you on the authority of God's word, word that God is faithful. He is not deterred. He is not inhibited. His purposes are not neutralized on your behalf because of those situations. He's going to come forth in his wonder, his beauty, his glory. He is the true and faithful one. And he's not waiting till he comes back on a white horse to deal with, those, with that situation in your life. He's coming to you right now. He's coming to you right now and he's helping you. And he's helping America. John Locke didn't say many things that were right, but he did say this, what worries you most masters you. Most of you know, have heard of the monkey trap, uh, how in India and other places they catch monkeys by putting a treat in a clay jar with a small opening and the monkey reaches in to grab it and, can, and won't let it go. And he's stuck. He can't get free. And uh, we have to let go of fretfulness and anxiety in order to trust the faithfulness of God. Look at me. You can't be anxious and have trust in the faithfulness of God at the same time. You've got to let the anxiety go. I had to let anxiety go. It was wired into my system. My great-grandmother on my mom's side uh, Grandma Helgeson, she once told me as a, as a little child that uh, she loves the book of Psalms. And I always remembered that, but I also rem- uh, now I understand more why, because she had trauma in, her, uh, trauma in her life. She lost her dad when she was a child in North Dakota in a snowstorm. He, the blizzard was coming. He was working in town and needed to get out to the farm because the blizzard was coming. He needed to get home to his family. Took a shortcut. The blizzard hit and they found his body in the spring in a snowdrift when the snow melted. Shook her up. PTSD type experience. Then she grew up in, uh, in her, you know, 18, 19 years old, got married, um, got pregnant, and immediately her husband died of a disease. So Grandma Helgeson uh, was wired into her sort of a fretfulness and a worry and concern and anxiety that men in my, lo- in my life that I care about die. And she, she would never remarry again. She lived into her 90s, but she, she uh, always had sort of a spirit of worry about her and uh, concern, deep concern and fretfulness that was passed on to her little baby that grew up, came my Grandma Williams. And Grandma passed it on to my mom, and my mom 
uh, unwittingly passed it on to me. Even as a child, I remember going, driving in a car uh, late at night um, before seatbelts. It was way back in the day. And, uh, and I was in the front seat with my head against my mom's shoulder. I was sleeping as a child, and my dad was driving along Washougal River Road. Eight miles we had to go on that dangerous river road. Uh, traveling back and forth to town to get up to our, before we went up County Road 11 to get to our farm where it was home for us. Coming home late at night, and I remember waking up out of a sleep and, 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 and filled with anxiety, said to my dad, 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 don't drive off the road into the river. Why? Because I, I, I in a spontaneous way, out of sleep, uh, was reacting in this sort of fretfulness that had been passed on to me. And I had to, at a certain juncture in my life, I recognized that this, this sense of anxiety, the sense of needing to control life or worry about it. You know, psychologists even tell us, Christian counselors tell us that sometimes um, we can actually worry. We, we believe subconsciously that if we worry about it, it won't happen. Pretty... Not good, right? And I, I came to a place in my life where I had a moment of deliverance. I had a moment where I put the blood of Jesus Christ in prayer between me and my mom and my grandma and my great-grandma. And I said, I am free to believe and trust the faithfulness of God because he is the true and faithful one. It is, he is so true and so faithful that it runs in his blood so strongly that he says, it's my very name. This is my very name. Faithful and true. So I wonder, I wonder if you've let go today. And if not, if you ought to find a place of prayer at the end of this message and say, God, I'm putting the blood of Jesus between myself and my future and any anxiety, anything I'm holding on to that I'm getting some sense of security for like that monkey. I'm willing now to let it go and get free to the one who is faithful and true. So, you know, do not fret is a directive. You cannot do that on your own strength. But every directive in the New Testament and the Old Testament, in the anointing of the Holy Spirit, we can do. Do not believe the lie that you have to hold on to anxiety. Secondly, commit to God's continual care. Psalm 37, verse 3. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on His faithfulness. Feed on His faithfulness. Feed on it. Feed on it. Don't feed on anxiety. Feed on His faithfulness. One way that ancient Israel fed on the faithfulness of God was a commitment to believing of receiving God's continual care by remembering previous victories that God had given. They put up these standing stones and these piles of stones that when they traveled in that area with their families, their kids would ask, what's this one for, Daddy? And the Daddy would tell the story of how God delivered them you know, across Jordan River by a miracle coming into the land or whatever other standing stone it might be. I wonder if you ha- are keeping a standing stone journal. I wonder if in your personal testimony of your life journey, 
you have highlights so you can say God did this, then he did this, then he did this, then he did this. Signs and wonders that, that awaken your feeding capacity, that stir up your hunger so you feed on the one who is faithful and the one who is true, standing stones. I keep a journal of uh, signs and wonders for myself. Some are amazing miracles to me and some are minor miracles, but I am grateful for big miracles and small miracles, aren't you? I just took the last few to share with you uh, as an example. And what I do is I include a few of these in my prayers every morning. I praise and I thank God for these signs and wonders. Here's a few of them. Here's a few recent ones. Uh, I put a blank there because I needed to ask Larry, Larry Dixon, if I could do this, use his name. But Larry, I've taken Larry, Larry and I have gone fishing for the last three or four years. Um, and, uh, you know, he's the only one that has, has never caught anything. And so I took this personally. I went to warfare about this in prayer. And, you know, it's not that he's a bad fisherman, it's just that it's wrong place at the wrong time, he just wasn't catching, because he's a good fisherman. But, I tell you what, last time we went fishing, he caught two of the nicest trout I've ever seen. So it, it got into my journal of signs and wonders. And I praise God for that this week. It's a blessing to me. And then, I, also, uh, how about that one? For that amazing, amazingly blessed Matthew 28 sermon last week. Now, I'm not sharing that to brag, but if you weren't here, you need to listen to that. And uh, I, I give all the praise to God for it. I'm, I wish they were all like that. Although, you know, every single sermon has a voice of God on it, so that's one, what we want to count. But if a preacher has a good time preaching, that's something he ought to savor for a while, don't you? For that God dream signifying a demonstration of the by himselfness of God in his kind provision for the work of New Song. Had an amazing God dream. I didn't take time to tell you what it was, but it's creative, it's beautiful, and it was God's voice was on it. And then this one. When I worship and praise God for stuff, I and and I will often rehearse what I have read in Scripture, I listen to audio scripture, and I write down. Um, four or five blessings from, excuse me, from my reading, audio, Bible stuff. And then I go back over it and I praise God for those realities and I ask him for increase in my life. And one of the journal entries was, great victory is mine every day. That's what I wrote down in my journal. So I'm about ready to launch into a thank you God. I was probably waking Brenda up because I wake up earlier than her typically and I just, I... I uh, was getting a little loud, just starting to say, praise you, God, for the victory that you give me. Your word is promised. And the song that I w- that was using for background music launched into a victory song. And I tell you what, at the very second, do you think that should go in my signs and wonders list? Well, it did, whether you think so or not. Uh, so this is the kind of thing. I just, I just, I have this. I have a continual feast on the faithfulness of God because of my standing stone journal entries. 
No matter what's going on in my life, I have a, have a time of remembrance. Because whether it happened 40 years ago or it happened 40 seconds ago, it's all present tense to God. And because he's celebrating it, so can I. As if it's present. A present tense situation. Many of you know I've referred to my kingdom delight list. Things that over the course of time, things that are blessings in the parallel universe of the heaven realm that the Bible promises are, are mine. Mine I take personally. And I've made a list of 80 kingdom delights. Here's just randomly a few of them. 30... Number 31 of the 80, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, filling me body, soul, and spirit without limits. Number 32 is that with God, all things are possible in the heaven realm. That in the kingdom of heaven, I have the presence of heaven enveloping me today so that I am today living from heaven to earth. That makes me happy. 35, that I have answered prayer above and beyond what I'm asking for or even imagining. And number 37, that God who spared not his only son is freely giving me all things in the heaven realm. I have the list of the 80 out on the welcome table. If they run out, I'll just add some more for next week. Help yourself if you'd like to be stirred up. Make, you, make your own or let that, let that spark a making of your own list. Brenda and I watched uh, Lion, the Witch, in the Wardrobe re- recently, movie, and I noticed this is such a good, wholesome movie. Very Jesus-y, if you can see the symbolism of it. But one of the things that I, I was thinking to myself, hooray, about was that in, in the story of the Lion, the Witch, in the Wardrobe, Aslan only, only invades his people now and then. He does great things when he does. And I thought to myself as I was watching that, I'm glad Aslan, our Jesus, never leaves Narnia. He's always with us. He never leaves. He doesn't just visit you from time to time with some kind of special refreshing. He likes you, enjoys you all the time. My heart felt prayer to God, to the Father, to the Son, to the Holy Spirit. My heart felt prayer to the Lord, L-O-R, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, Yahweh. In the Hebrew, the God who is present to save. That's what the Hebrew means. Whenever you see capital L-O-R-D in the Old Testament, it's Yahweh, the God who is present to save. The Lord, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the Lord. My heartfelt prayer is, God, I, I enjoy you so much in my morning times with you. But God, I, I don't want to leave you in the mornings. I want to. I want to be like the Apostle Paul and pray without ceasing. I don't think that means he was interceding without ceasing. I think that means that he was keeping a constant interaction, a constant communion, a constant awareness of the presence of, of, of God with him, of the Lord with him. And I want, I, my heart cry is, I'm, I'm so hungry for more of a, 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 a through the day experience 
of communion. And that's a that's a sort of a cutting edge growth thing for me. I'm I'm uh, I'm getting it. It's working, and I really like it. I really like it. Some of you are way beyond me in that. Um, I don't think any of you enjoy God more than I do. Just so you know, but I think I know. I think some of you are better at 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 including him through your day. I get busy on stuff and get one thing done after another after another and feeling good about myself, you know. But uh, I'm, I'm, ask, I'm asking God for some, for, for some deepening in, in that area of experience. I want you to see finally that uh, we can feed on God's faithfulness by d- simply doing good with God's guidance. We talk a lot about doing good around here. But I want you to see in this passage that the guidance is more than just giving some kind of leading or directing about what to do, but it has to do with relational experience of God. He's guiding us into a deeper relational experience. Look at chapter, look at Psalm 37, verse 3. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land. That means, dwell in the land means living out your life. In Medford area, or wherever you live. Dwell in the land means to dwell with God in the land. Live with him and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. I don't think that that means, this is my opinion, but I don't think that means that whatever your heart desires... God's promised to give you. I, I would really like another Yamaha SR400 motorcycle because everybody that has one knows they need two of those. I don't think that's what that means. I think that that means that God starts stirring desires to do good because he is good and he's stirring his personality into your personality. That's what I think that means. He starts giving you desires that ultimately result in your justice and your righteousness shining as the new, noonday sun with bright clarity and beautiful heaven light into your world. That's what this um, promises. We see that, I saw that, um, two examples of that. Um, We were, Brendan and I had lunch with Shirley Chafee at a retirement center this last week. And she told us a story of a, of a 102-year-old lady that was, kind of had a reputation for being a bit grumpy. And Shirley started to, in the, under the leading of the Spirit, started to uh, refer to her as with, in the morning, good morning, sunshine. And pretty soon, that evoked smiles from her and got her started with a happiness in her day. I think little simple things like that is goodness. It's God goodness, surely. And Brenda told me a story. I won't mention the name. I haven't got permission to use that. But of a, someone in one of her groups that had a job change that was unpleasant. It was like, like, almost like a wicked person made the job change. Just wasn't necessary, but it was inconvenient, job change. And she, instead of fretting or resisting in her spirit and anger, what she did was she, she defaulted to what do you have in this new setting with these new people. 
And God pointed out to her, a young person, a working cohort, that the Spirit of God said, I want you, while you're here, to intercede. And let's see what God will do in this. And she has total joy in her new job scene. Why? Because she is doing good with God's guidance. Yeah. So, my friends, let's stand up right now. Faithfulness of God. Refuse to fret. Let it go. Focus on his faithfulness. Commit to God's continual care. Be one of those that continually receive God's care. And do good because he is good and his blood runs in your veins. His DNA is in you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. While we're standing here, before we pray, can I share with you a less than one minute video of Grandpa Dan with grandson, six-year-old grandson Luke yesterday, I mean Friday. Creativity, think of this as a parable of God. Grandpa Dan is like God in this. I'm like God in so few ways, but (laughs) in terms of my enjoyment of my grandson's creativity, God's like that with us in our creative goodness. And uh, I participate in helping Luke build a contraption. But I want you to notice my enthusiasm and Luke's enthusiasm. And I want you to know God is very enthusiastic about your efforts at goodness. Watch as we're standing. This is my big contraption. It's a contraption. We build it. What does this contraption do? It's, it's a, a pool filling, filling up contraption. Amazing. You can take a shower. You can wash your hair. You can water the lawn. What, what does this contraption do? It fills up the pool. It fills up the pool and it floods the neighbor's yard. Contraption. That's how God feels about you. He's enthusiastic. I have some words of knowledge. This is for people here, people from our television audience as well. Um, someone has is about to make an impulsive decision without getting counsel. And I feel like to give you a warning that it'd be better to get counsel first before you make that decision. And the multitude of counselors are safety. I'm not trying to be bossy or control anybody. I'm just saying I felt from God that you may go ahead with a green light, but you'll have even greater success with it if you actually have other people helping you with it and are backing up to the decision. Maybe, the, maybe you need to wait a bit. I don't know. I'm just saying that there's, I believe that that person is there. There's a marriage in trouble. God wants you to pray, get some help. There's a way forward with success in that marriage. 
someone with an earache God is healing right now those of you at home watching this television or computer screen just touch the screen by faith let that be a point of contact a point of faith for you to receive the healing power of God and someone with heart issues same thing one hand on your heart one hand on the screen just touch it and receive anyone here in our audience here if you come forward in response to any of those to get prayer I believe God will heal you God will help you and if you want to do some business with God in any other area what we've talked about today I encourage you to do it if you're not right with God and this is your time to be saved come forward talk to someone up here say I want to know I'm saved they'll pray a short prayer with you and you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're born again on your way to heaven because of, of that prayer that prayer to be born again today born from above today don't let a day go by further without getting right with God it's too dangerous a world out there not to be right with Jesus and remember church through all that you are all that you do Put your hands on your heart now. Close your eyes and say this after me. He's coming back on a white horse. And his name is faithful and true. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. God bless you. Have a great week.